afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, a market that's kind of in the doldrums. I don't know what's going on. New year, we just can't get excited. Got a couple things that are coming up. A report on Friday. We've got, of course, a trade deal with China, looking at South American weather. A lot of factors to look at today as Sam Hudson joins us. And he is with Corn Belt Marketing. I think, Sam, first of all, let's uh, start out with this doldrums. It is a very quiet, kind of boring type of trade right now. Yeah, there's not a lot to talk about. We know we got a crop report coming up. We know we got the potential for uh, this trade deal signing. Looks like it could take place uh, uh, a little over a week from today. And, and I think in the in the vacuum and the void of, of fresh information here, we had the tensions uh, in the Middle East spike last week, created a little bit of fear-based selling and not only commodities but equities alike. And since then, it's just been kind of an environment uh, where you know the folks that own this uh, own these commodities, you know, may already own enough or aren't willing to own more. Uh, and there's always going to be someone to sell it, uh, you know, whether it's cash flow or good basis levels or just a decent balance in the market. Uh, probably still could argue that more for soybeans than corn as it sits today. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we don't know where we're going to be a week from now. And I think the concern moving forward, at least in, in my camp, would just be the, the usage rates. And if we don't see this trade deal really come through and see uh, some concrete evidence of those purchases, uh, the pace that we're on just isn't sustainable to think that the USDA is going to stay there. Well, let's look at that. Um, first of all, that signing that's supposed to take place here on the 15th. We know that the folks from China are going to be here on the 13th. Worst case scenario, something happens. We don't get this signed. Do we see the markets the next trading day get a panic feel to it? Oh, I would think so, particularly in soybeans. I think that knee-jerk reaction, you know, that's what you would see. Um, and, and, you know, equities alike. I think the, the markets in general don't really like uncertainty. Uh, it seems to be that it's just a lot easier to sell a market uh, regardless of what it is uh, at a time like that. And, um, you know, at a time where we're also looking at South American weather, you know, I've referenced several times that that may actually be a bigger uh, predictor of price here over the next 6 to 12 months than, than any trade agreement because if, if they... Uh, turn out to have bad weather if it flips and they have a production problem they may have to you know china may have to come to the u.s and you know purchase inventory whether they like it or not uh but if they do grow it you know it's going to be there and and there's no reason right now to think that brazil's not going to have a record crop and uh weather forecasts right now don't seem to suggest uh, that could change anytime soon we were last year in a government shutdown point when the january report came out so we had to play catch up in february it just seems like we've have continued to play catch up since then now we've got a report coming out on on Friday, and there's a lot of folks questioning some of the pre-report guesstimates. Yeah, and I, and I think moving forward, I think we're going to be playing the same game, uh, especially in, in reference to corn. You know, when we talk about these production numbers that we're going to get on Friday, I, I wholeheartedly believe that those numbers will come down. Uh, I also do believe, you know, demand can come down at the same or even a greater rate. Uh, but when we look at just yield on its own, we know there's a big problem with test weight, quality, uh, you know, damage out here. Uh, and I just think that's so widespread and so common at this point uh, that it will be a meaningful and measurable, uh, you know, factor. Uh, it's just not, you know, measurable today. So, you know, the stats reports that are coming up here over the next eight to nine months may be uh, the figures that are going to have to tell that whole story. And, and you know, if we got a you know, three to five bushel yield cut in corn that needs to happen, we may not see that whole move here uh, from USDA uh, until they have a better handle on, on you know, stocks down the road, uh, you know, September 1st, 2020. And so I'm curious, obviously, we've got this report coming out on Friday, which is going to have more weight and market reaction, this one or the planting intentions report of March, knowing what is or isn't out of the field at that point? 
Uh, you know, I think it's going to be, you know, as long as we can get through this report without a major incident, and by major incident, I mean, uh, you know, major demand slashing, uh, especially just as we're on the cusp of this, you know, Chinese deal, I think, uh, you know, if that comes through, you know, we, we need a pretty decent chunk of that just to kind of get back to even on, on where we think we should be uh, at this point in time, or we're going to need to see some major counter-seasonal business being done, and if we're going to enforce this with China, that would be the more likely scenario if it's going to unfold that way. Uh, but they've also, you know, made reference that they're not going to if we issue any more tariff relief quotas for corn and wheat, or at least any more than they did in 2019, so that suggests they're not going to be buying those products from us. Uh, and if corn's going to see a bigger windfall, it's going to have to be in the products via DDGs uh, and ethanol. We did see some movement forward when it came to USMCA on the Senate side. It passed through the Finance Committee. Did that even get a blip at all on the radar for the markets today? You know, I don't think so. And I don't, uh, you know, as this uh, USMCA deal has come up, uh, even just their last month, um, you know, I think the market generally expected this to take place. It wasn't really a matter of if, but when. Uh, and now that just because it's done doesn't mean we're going to all, you know, suddenly see this big, huge push in demand. And that's what has to pull us out of here. Uh, we're going to continue to be a competitor with South America. And even though they have rising export taxes down there that, you know, could keep some grain off the market, uh, if they've got record crops coming their way, it's no different than what we deal with here in the U.S. That inventory has to be dealt with, but, you know, to make room for new crop. Uh, and I think that will be the struggle these markets get into as we enter that February-March time frame if we don't get, uh, you know, some, some help here over the next couple weeks. So let's look at South America's weather. Argentina, from what I understand, the short term, still having some struggles. Northern Brazil doing okay. The the southern part of Brazil has some issues. What are you hearing from folks? Yeah, so early on, uh, it was uh, southwest Argentina, northeast Brazil. Since then, uh, northern part of Brazil, as you mentioned, has seen regular rainfall. And the southern area has been uh, rather dry. And we've seen plenty of pictures online of that. But keep in mind, you know, just how big that country is. And, uh, you know, you see one little blip in, in terms of bad weather on, on the screen doesn't necessarily carry over to the entire area. So, uh, but that has been the, probably the most problematic area is, is southern Brazil, uh, at least over the last week to two weeks. Uh, but the forecasts are suggesting that some of these rains are going to move a little bit further south. So we'll kind of buy them some time. Uh, and, you know, parts of Argentina are going to remain dry, but it's just not big enough of an area at this point to really uh, have an impact on the market. And the demand side of the coin is still going to be a bigger indicator, in my opinion, of prices as we move into the next six months. And obviously they've got the hunger and the excitement to continue to push the U.S. out of the market. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, why not? And we, we can, you know, you can't blame them for doing it. Um, it's just unfortunate the timing of all of this, especially when, you know, African swine fever is going to be causing uh, a long tail from a protein standpoint. And the U.S. just hasn't really been there uh, for the windfall just yet. Because From folks, we've got more coming up here on a Tuesday. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fondale Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue to talk with Sam Hudson with Corn Belt Marketing, as we switch gears a little bit to head over to the livestock side, kind of rewind to yesterday's cattle market. Unfortunately, we didn't get that same excitement in today's trade, but it was a good way at least to maybe set the tone for what we might see in cattle this week. Yeah, we saw a little bit of a back and forth today after a big day yesterday, and it seemed like, uh, you know, it seemed like there was a lot of, uh, focus on some of the spreads here uh, of late too. You know, we saw some pretty decent movements on the feeder spreads yesterday. And if you think about it, you know, you look at this January feeder contract that goes off at the end of the month, um, pretty close to, you know, being par with cash. And, and we've seen this cash index, uh, you know, weaken up and then firm back up again. So 
if that uh, March is undervalued versus the January, I, I see no reason that if cash doesn't break that we couldn't see the, the March uh, feeder contract uh, you know, rattle, rattle off pretty good quick against the neighboring months at least. Uh, same thing with live cattle. You know, you've got the December off the board. You've got uh, February par with cash. And, you know, why not see that rally against the April a little bit? Now, that's completely independent of market direction. I think, you know, that overall in the short term is probably going to be pretty choppy and sideways, just like the Board of Trade until we get through uh, USD report here Friday and then see, you know, how the cards are going to fall in terms of, uh, you know, the Chinese deal. Looking at cash trade, is this, as you talked about, I mean, this is going to be pushed off, but do we have any ideas to where those asking and bid prices, how far apart they are at this point? Yeah, everyone's talking, uh, you know, steady. Um, there were some thoughts that the feeder market could actually post some better gains here this week, if anything. But uh, I think you're just going to wait this thing out until Friday, and and we could just kind of have a punt of a week in terms of cash trade until we see what happens next week. And and uh, you know, if not for nothing, you know, keep an eye on the hog market. If if there's real uh, business being done, you would think that would be kind of at the top of China's list. And uh, if we're going to see something in the cash market, you'd think that would want to lead the way. But time will tell. Box beef, before we jump over fully into hogs, are we going to see the continued struggles that have been there? I mean, mixed today is what we saw in the market. Yeah, I don't know. You, you know, and that's, you know, what almost leads me to believe it seems like the cash market is, is I don't know what I want to say topped, uh, but certainly, you know, leveled off. And, you know, this front month is going to have to lead the way now if it's going to continue higher. And I think that's going to be both true with the, the feeders and the live cattle, uh, as well as the hogs. You know, when you look at the indexes of, of all of these, uh, hog index, perfect example, we've continued to kind of see the American producer ramp up production, expect a, you know, big windfall in price and demand, and then it doesn't come. So uh, be mindful of where your break evens are. And, and what opportunities may lay ahead here in the weeks ahead for pretty much all of these markets because as we go into February, March time frame, um, you know, it, for a lot of these, we're still kind of in a, in a supply, uh, you know, driven environment, especially for the grains. You know, and it just seems like, just like in the grains, we're waiting on, with bated breath for something news to break to, to activate these markets even more. Yeah, some sort of an event, and, and that's what, you know, I'm not sure that the trade agreement is going to give us that. It's good to see it signed. Uh, I don't think that there's a lot of reason to be pessimistic about it, um, but keep in mind that they're not going to advertise what products, you know, the volume of those products and when you know, these purchases will take place, and it's widely been advertised that it could take 30 days to kind of get everything in order, uh, and it may be February at the earliest before we start seeing uh, any of that movement. And even by February or within the next 30 or 45 days, you're going to continue to know a lot more about not only our demand paces, but crop size in South America as well. Well, Sam, could there be some excitement? Because we know that China says that they're digging deeper into those coolers to get that frozen pork out to feed folks. Do you think that would at least give some sort of excitement to this market trade? It could, you know, and in the year ahead, it, you know, it's hard to be bearish, uh, you know, their need for protein. I think uh, we hear a little bit less and less each day about uh, ASF in terms of how it's spreading. So I think they're starting to contain that. Uh, probably not as big of an issue as it was here, but it's not eradicated there just yet. Uh, once they start to rebuild the herd sizes, uh, you know, I, I think the key, one of the key indicators will be when do we see uh, purchases of protein tail off in, in markets like poultry. You know, when they start to kind of wane on that, that maybe suggests that they're building their herd size again. We see more soy, you know, demand going to the region. But uh, as a whole, uh, I believe ahead of this, uh, even before ASF, you know, got kicked off, that there were some problems with long-term, you know, expecting that the demand growth in the soy complex was going to continue at the same rate that we'd seen. And now we've seen companies like Impossible Foods unveiling a new plant-based pork, as they're calling it, and they're going to push it to the Asian market. You would think that would get the market's a little bit of reaction. 
Yeah, and, and that was, you know, the Beyond Beef thing was just kind of the tip of the iceberg, in, in my opinion, and, you know, starting to see some of these markets uh, evolve and, un- and unroll or unravel, if you want to say that, too. And I think, uh, you know, they've got to test the waters to see just how much demand there's going to be there, uh, as well as the pros and cons of, of you know, switching any, any you know, big picture dietary uh you know, plans, I guess, for people in general, you know, is it really that much more healthy? You know, you got to play devil's advocate and all of this stuff and just expect this, this is the type of market and, and business world that we live in anymore. And what's here today could be gone tomorrow just as, as quickly. And speaking of business world, this was a question from a producer that just came across uh, my phone. It says Coca-Cola buying Fairlife or getting their acquisition of all their shares. At least some good news coming for agriculture that a company can still stay alive. Yeah, nice to see some money coming into it. It'd be nice to uh, kind of have that attitude towards uh, towards biofuels and stuff in general, but uh, yeah, it's been a tough ship to row there. Very much so. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sam? 800-655-3380 or go to www.cornbeltmarketing.com. And just a reminder, folks, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss that are not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. Pick it up as a podcast through ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe. Do so as well at your favorite spot. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.